Hello, everybody. Welcome to <laughs> Homeschool Live. Lots of energy around today's show. And GP, you're looking refreshed and happy and <laughs> nothing holding you back. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, nothing holding me back. <laughs> yes. And actually, I just ran off the title. So yes, today we're talking about how inner conflict is holding you back in life. Big, big area to cover, but I'm going to break this one down. I, I'm in super producer mode today, so you guys are going to have fun with this one. It, originally, the big question, and I had to write down was, you want something. There's something that you want, but what is holding you back? Like, there's this thing. So you know what it is? It's conflict. There's something going on. Inner, there's an inner conflict. And I know the answer. I know the technique on how to get there is through inner reconciliation. But we're going to go into all of this and all areas that I know you're wanting to hear. Now, GP, our in-house master spiritual <laughs> teacher here. Is you just sounded like a seventh grade teacher. Now, GP... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, You're a <laughs> you became alert. <laughs> like, hey, what? <laughs> you just triggered something inside. I heard that so much. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, well, every memory lane here. Um, well, what I've noticed is that, and I, and I appreciate this from all the people out there trying to help everybody. We all are looking for help and want help, and we kind of do those big areas: love, health, wealth. Right? You got. You got your relationships, you've got how you're feeling and health-wise, and you've got your prosperity, your money. But today we're talking about inner conflicts and all those others we think about, there's they're actually quite external. So GP and all of our beautiful students here, our listeners, our viewers, and welcome to newcomers. These are the areas that I'm going to cover and I'm going to even timestamp them. I'm even challenging myself after we're going to go back and timestamp these ones. So I know, look at you, GP. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to be talking about success, fulfillment, happiness, commitment, safety, expression, perfectionism, and people pleasing. How about that? Oh, <laughs> tall order. Wow. <laughs> yes. And when I was thinking about which ones were coming through is because I scroll through Facebook and, and see all the YouTube videos, just like you guys do. I see what's coming up and I can recognize the pain and thinking, I want this, but I, I can't get it. So we tend to want to blame or think, we think just by nature, that it's the external conditions that are holding us back. But I want to talk about this inner conflict, this inner conflict that we're experiencing. So let me begin by asking GP, <laughs> the, the inner conflict, how do we recognize the feeling of it or the results of it? And how do we even kind of get close to it? to start having this exploration or this conversation with our own inner conflict? Well, we don't label it as inner conflict because we don't really know what it is. We just, what we say is, oh, I'm worried. I have anxiety. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I can't make up my mind. I don't know which is the right way to go. Those are all inner conflict because if there was nothing, if there weren't two th things at in conflict inside of you, you'd simply, there'd be no second guessing. There'd be no worrying. There'd be no doubt. There'd be no, the decisions would be instantaneous and confident. The, uh, and, but we don't label it as such. We don't see it as competing energies inside of us. We see it as a personal flaw that somehow has to get fixed. And the end result is, is it never gets fixed. Or it's some kind of change to the circum circumstance or change to my thinking or, you know, raising my vibration or something like that. It's always something I have to, to do. It's never uh, a, a gentle recognition and uh, looking into your own self to find out where the source of this lies. If you really think about it, imagine something you really want that would be really good for you, for your family, for the world, for everyone concerned, and yet there's this resistance to it. Where in the world does that come from? <laughs> and it's there. We notice it, and we don't pay any attention to it. We just kind of push it aside. Well, that's yeah, something I really, we don't know what it is. If we knew what it was, we would begin to realize that there's an inner conflict. And when you resolve that inner conflict, everything that results from that, which is the worry, the doubt, the lack of self-confidence, just vanishes. Because our natural state is one of knowingness. It's one of confidence. 
That was so well said and you nailed all of them. My goodness, worry, doubt, lack of self-confidence. We hear all the time. And in looking at each one of our lives, the first thing that we might say when something that we want comes up, it's not possible for me or it will hurt someone else. So we've got the, the inner conflict, but it can be externally based as well. Like I don't want to let somebody down or that people please, I'm jumping into people please in here. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and that's what it is. And there's, there's in our conflict in, in, in a case like that, our conflict is, is really highly moral, right? I don't want to hide. I don't want to hurt anybody is what I'm going to do. Hurt someone. And if you take the Buddhist precept of do no harm, it is a legitimate question we have to ask ourselves, right? But we also have to equally say, well, how much harm is it doing me? Where's the, where is the actual harm being done? And a lot of times it's really our, our, our lack of conviction about, about what, we, what we need to have or do. Um, it's our desire to look good in front of somebody else, right? To people please, to get the approval all of which will never allow you. And, and you can see that that is a direct conflict between your actual desire. <laughs> yes. It's painful, actually. I, you know, many people, they want something so lovingly. They, it's their desire. They love their desire. It's come from them so naturally, yet there's so much pain and hurt and shame or um, denial. Or not denial. What's that when you can't and you don't allow yourself to have something? Denial? No. What's that word? <laughs> Denial. 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 I can't have it. I can't have it. <laughs> yeah. And it's very painful. And so what do we do with that? I'm going to call that angels in the basement for now. Everybody pin that little word. Um, but <laughs> if we deny something of ourselves, we suppress it. Or, yeah, we just, where does it go? When a desire arises, it first needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be acknowledged that, that I have this desire. And that's a very natural thing to do. It's just, I have a pain in my toe. Oh, there's a pain in my toe. I, I mean, we don't have a problem with that. And these days, you know, we've all become spiritually mature enough that, you know, some kind of uncomfortable feeling comes up. Oh, I have an uncomfortable feeling. We're willing to admit it. But desire is yet still kind of taboo. Off to the side, I have this desire. The, the reason why, we don't really know what to do with our pure natural desires. When a desire arises, it runs into our internal environment, which has got judgments on it, which has got the sense of, is it possible? How do I do it? How do you make it happen? See, the, it, there's this entire emotional and intellectual framework in which the desire, which knows nothing of any of that, <laughs> uh, arises and gets into it. And, and now we're interpreting the desire. We're negotiating with it. How am I going to make it happen? Right. And, and is it okay for me to even have this desire? And if the answer is no, you just try to suppress it back down again and hope it goes away until the next time it pops up. Right. And learning how to be with our desires as much as being, being with our fears and our discomforts, learning how to be with happiness as much as being with grief is part of, is part of this, um, this spiritual practice. And sometimes a desire arises and somebody else isn't going to like it. <laughs> you can't have that. What do you mean? That means I'm not in the equation. That means I. That's right. Which no. is different than harming. Oh, I'm not necessarily harming them. I'm just not giving them what they told me I'm supposed to give them, <laughs> which is really different. That is really different. <gasps> yeah, people. Oh. Yeah, is it really doing harm? Oh, I mean, if if I break up with somebody and they're totally taken aback, they didn't see it coming. They're totally in love with you. They want to spend the rest of your life with you, but you don't feel it. Is that doing them harm, or is it doing more harm to not to be in a relationship and not really loving them? Right. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. If I'm gonna. I'm going to be forward here and ask if this is allowed to be shared. Uh, you can say no. Um, you have a, a friend, a, a very important person in your life who had to really make a decision between two career paths. And it, 
there was harm if they chose one over the other for themselves, but they could have been thinking there's harm over for somebody else that th that, that position wouldn't, you know, work without them. And so I don't know if you, do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> there's a, a yeah, you're my, my friend. <laughs> am, I, am I going to go get a, a very prestigious high paying job in the government in, um, in, a, in, a, in a state government in the US? Or am I going to go work in a bar in a castle in Ireland? and barely get by with have a little place that I can stay in. It just took me two seconds to go, you know what you want to do. <laughs> because he did know what he wanted to do. He needed somebody to tell him to give him permission. Permission. Here's the, that's where the next step because I he, it was Because it was a level of maturity that we have to come to, right, mm. that owns these desires. And we do need a sangha. We do need people around. We need elders and, and students. We need people around us so that we can have something to true it against. Because, you know, the capacity for the human mind for self-deception is just <laughs> unlimited. It's off the charts. <laughs> yes. Actually, ooh, that's a good word, self-deception. Um, do we choose to have self-deception, or is it just the mind creating all these stories to find something to anchor into and just go, that's why? <laughs> it's, it's the latter. It's that, yeah. It's we, de we, we deceive ourselves because we can't face what we're really feeling. Um, we, can't face, we can't face the consequences of our own desires. We can't face the consequences of our actions. Um, you know, we can't, we're not really willing to look at why we did something the way we did it, even though the result was what may have been harmful to yourself and others. You know, it's a lot easier to try to justify it and defend your egoic position than to look at it and go, man, did I screw that up? You know, <laughs> right. you know I got I to own that. Boy, that's my bed. I'm, I'm taking a nap in it. <laughs> yeah. Because we, if we didn't have, I, I want to say the spiritual maturity, but it's really that spiritual relationship that if, if we don't understand who we are, we can, the judgment is so harsh as opposed to just being able to, that's what happened. Well, judgment is a, is a key way in which the conditioning uh, keeps our desires from surfacing. As long if they're judged every time they arise, the desire arises, I'm going to feel pain and judged. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to keep that from surfacing. Oh, hold on. I got to repeat that so I can follow. Judgment is a way to manage our desires and allow them to either rise to suppress, or to suppress them. Manage is too nice them. a word. Okay. <laughs> Manage is just too kind, just too neat a word. It's suppress <laughs> or even re or even repress them. And because because you expressed a natural desire as a child, you know your tribe, your family didn't like it. You heard about it. You felt terrible. It was judged, and so you started judging yourself. When it comes up, I'm comes up. I'm not good. This is not good. I shouldn't be feeling this, right? As if as if you could can't help it, as if you could possibly help it. I mean, right. So there's you're being trained. We've been trained. Everybody very individually, very differently, because we all have different experiences, different responses, different reactions, different environments, and all of this quick little. Um, oh, okay. Trained, trained on that one. That one hurt. Let me suppress that. Oh, yeah. train. That and, it, and it happens long before you're even aware of it happening. Right. It's happening in the womb. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that message is being instilled. Absolutely. That, that, it is. That, that little embryo is reading the environment like a magazine. Right. Okay. So if I were to go to our areas, um, I, yeah, I jumped into that little fun people pleasing, which involves, I'm, am I truly harming others or am I just not giving what they've expressed that they need? <laughs> that's not really my job. You know, my job is to give me what I well, and And that's a tough one if you have been playing the role and have been giving that. Right. Now you've got to quit. Oh, ooh. now you've got to quit. Oh, boy. Are you going to hear about it? It's like you know, you're giving something for free and all of a sudden you got to charge. Oh, very ouch. Ouch. Good one to bring up <laughs> for all of our light workers, spiritual workers, coaches who are like, but I would do this for free. And I know, okay, now I'm going yeah. finances. Yeah, I'm totally bringing this one in for success and, and finances and wealth in that category. 
That is such a tricky one. Does this all come back to a conflict, an inner conflict that we have about value or about money? Currency. Oh, my. Okay. Let, let's all be really clear. There are, there are, there are two things in our culture in the West that are more conflicted and have more mixed mixed messages than any other subject we could possibly deal with: sex and money. There are also the two number one reasons why relationships break up. And depending when this when the survey is taken, you know they switch places as number one and number two. <laughs> yeah. And they influence each other right? because they're mixed messages. We don't know what the hell to make of them. On one hand, we see just the the obscene, ostentatious wealth on one side, and just this abject poverty on the other. And we go, well, how do I find a balance in the middle of that? How do I function, especially if it's within a, an economic system that you know is inherently flawed, inherently corrupt, <laughs> and will never, ever deliver an equitable life to, for, uh, for everyone? That's not why it was here. It's not why it was designed. It's like an aristocracy. It was not designed for the peasant. <laughs> right. Yes. Right? So what do you do in the midst of that? When every time we always get these other messages that um, money is the root of all evil. The actual message was the love of money was the root of all evil, which is often misquoted. It is, it's how do we come to a true message? So the first place to start is what does it mean to me right now? What meaning have I given money? Look at a piece of, look at money, right? Does it have any meaning? Is there happiness in it? Is there sadness in it? Is there corruption in it? It's just a goddamn piece of paper. So everything, everything about it is whatever meaning you have given it. And that meaning has been derived from the culture, from your family, going going all the way back. In my case, my parents got married during the Great Depression, right? You know, my father lost a lot of money in the stock market. He never recovered from that. That message shoop, come through me. <laughs> so these things, you know, these things are in the culture, they're in the family. And, and so it behooves us to go back and say, well, then, okay, what does money really mean to me? Not just, you know, the words that I can repeat, you know, it's just a medium exchange and money is energy and all that. That's really cute stuff. But what does it actually mean down here in the gut? Right? When you think about, you know, I, I've done workshops and I've just, I've just said, okay, here we go. Money. And I just saw <laughs> the money. And you can watch people go, because <laughs> right? they're not expecting it. And suddenly, boom, this very visceral reaction takes place, wow. right? Yes. They don't have time to think about it. There's this instant reaction that takes place, right? It's like, it's not like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, like, never, almost, it's right. never that. <laughs> you know? yes. it, it's never that. Yes. And you realize that money is a pure abstraction. It has no inherent meaning whatsoever. It only means what you say it means. That behooves us to do the inner work to reconcile the conflicts we have about it. And we are duplicitous. We are of two minds. Yes. We do have all these mixed messages in us. Right? Yeah. And that's what I want to bring up there, and you just did, was so what it does the conflict come up because we are not clear on our beliefs or about money or because we just don't have one or because they truly are just in conflict well um number one and number three are actually the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> are, are on the same we're not really clear about it because we haven't probed deeply enough to find out on a visceral on an energetic level mm -hmm. what meanings we have adopted that have been put into the nervous system that we, we have not scrutinized that have not been brought out into the light Right. It's so interesting to think about conflicts, how we need to bring them out into the light. And, and otherwise, we are we actually suppressing the conflict or the beliefs? Because you have the, the two people, the beliefs, let's say, and then you have the fighting, the relationship, that conflict. It's, it's just all being suppressed. So is it the fact that we need to bring out the beliefs, which will then highlight the conflict? Well, the, conf the conflict is between competing beliefs. Right. On one side, 
I want to have a good income and a secure life and a family and all that. On the other side, on the other side, I believe money basically corrupts people, which we have lots of evidence that it does. Yes. Yeah. What do you do with that? <laughs> so that means on one level, when I reach for the money, another part of me goes, you're going to get corrupt. Gotcha. And then when I hold back, the other part says, man, what are you doing? You could do much better than this. I mean, yes. So then you're frozen. So paralysis by analysis. Absolutely frozen. Yeah. And so just before we go into like, what do we do and how do we take care of this? Because I do want to bring up a few of the topics because that would this. So what about, um, well, commitments go with people. You're please. so organized today. Jeez. I know. <laughs> wow. Let me go back to my notes. <laughs> like I'm on Oprah. <laughs> my show notes here. So fulfillment is actually, I know where this is going to go. Fulfillment is going to go with, are you, am I worth it? Do I, am I, why, why am I worthy of being fulfilled? How come I get to be fulfilled, but no one else does? Or it's too hard to become fulfilled. I've got to do a lot of work. I've got to have a lot of skill. I've got to have, well, everything that comes with. So what is the conflict when it comes to fulfillment? This is a big, that's a big one, fulfillment. Well, it's, it's, it's not really, it's not the kind of thing that I can just say, okay, this is what gets in the way, right? It's that we all seek fulfillment and yet we don't find it. Why not? What's, what, what is it that stands in the way of knowing fulfillment? Obviously, a desire arises. You know, when a child desire arises, they fulfill it. You, you can see it until they can't, right? And then you, see, then you see the enculturation, the conditioning beginning to take place, which can either be quite gentle and affirming or can either, you know, leave people stuck in the, uh, stuck in the conflict. We just have to understand it's all conflicts, right? If there were no conflict, we'd just be all moving down the highway, right? You know, do, do, do. I'd be, because there'd be nothing holding us back. No traffic. Yeah. You can see people who are really locked into what they're doing. They don't have any conflict about it. There's nothing distracting their minds. There's nothing influencing their behaviors and their habits. And so, boom. Now, sometimes those people are actually not very nice people to be around, right? They've left other parts of their life out of balance, but it does indicate something. But sometimes there is. There are people who have. I mean, a great example of that is Ian Anderson with Jethro Tull. Huge star, right? Jethro Tull is like, you know, one of the greatest bands of, of all time. I had the pleasure of working, for, working with his manager the guy who discovered him and started working with him. And man, he'd do a show. The manager is the audience taking notes. And after the show, they go over every single move to see how the audience reacted. And he would adjust his whole stage presence to, based on the feedback that the manager was. They spent hours after the show analyzing the show that he would then put back, put back into it. He was the, well, all the other rock stars were, you know, spending all his money. He didn't spend a penny. He lived in a tiny little apartment in London for like three years till he knew it wasn't going to end. And then he and then he bought a a, a fish ha a fish hatchery in um, Scotland, which he now runs, and it's a three million dollar a month a year business. Oh, I have to look that up. Oh, nice. He's one of those guys that. He balanced everything. He's got a wife and kids. He's, you know, he's one wife, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he's, his whole life is well-rounded and he's just this incredible character on, 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 on stage. So when you look at it, there are rare examples of people who have been that focused and not out of balance. I like that. Yes. So it's possible. So first of all, thank you for highlighting that it is possible and whether it's, well, that involves a lot. That's, as you said, the upbringing, the conditioning, the raising, the love, the receiving, the perception, the doing the inner work. If it wasn't all that, like it just pulls everything into play when we're talking about that. Now, the two things I want to sneak in before we open up to comments over here. Thank you. I did announce and I always like to let people know we do get to all the questions and comments, you know, just a little bit after the halfway mark of the show. Um, you've shared, you've, 
I want to say you've renamed, but I don't even want to go that that's far. I was going to say you've renamed some of the chakras, but let's just go with this. There were two very obvious archetypes that I see that go into conflict all the time. Safety and expression. I want, I want to sing out to the world and everything, but ooh, that's not safe. Or I like rules. You can't step out of here, but then I have nowhere to express myself. Yes. Are those the very foundational archetypes that are involved in every conflict? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, and I put it that way. I'll put it in terms of safety and freedom. If you're looking at the chakras, I call it first chakra and second chakra, the tribe and the nymph, right? It, it's just, you know, pure safety, pure pleasure. And you can tell they're inherently in conflict, right? If they're not resolved so that they can flow together and, and support each other, um, yeah, it's just a horrible life, right? If you're just purely in it for pleasure, you'll have, it'll be fu really fun, but last about 15 minutes. If, um, if it's all about safety, you'll last a long time, but you'll be, it'll, you know, you'll be an ant. I mean, nothing to your life at all. It'll be extremely boring, and we'll feel that. So, yeah, it is always a conflict between our reaching for freedom and the, the inner, the, the part that says it's not safe to do that. And if they're not talking, you will be, you'll be constantly stalled. It'll be one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas your whole life. Yes. Oh. That's, oh, that's such a great analogy. Yeah, it's so obvious that one to bring it up. But you're right. I am a two foot driver. Um, but the the gas and the brake, like you, if you can juggle it, it's beautiful. I'm really good at it. But if, if you cannot, like, oh, if I do going? say so myself, I'm a I'm I'm a two I'm a two foot. Uh, yes. Oh, that's right. We just that's fun. And so in in life, we're it is a it's a quick it's a balance a flow a dance you know there's a lead there's a follow then then it might switch and do something some fancy twirl but before we get to all these these fun analogies um the what i'd like to highlight is that when we if we know that safety and pleasure safety and freedom is inherently in this conflict it is then a desire that when it is it, it rises oh there's the desire and we does it does it have to choose sides? Do we sorry judge it based on a side of safety and freedom? And if it says I can't make a decision, I have doubt, I'm not sure, we shoom, we push it into the basement, lock it up, it's suppressed. Is that fair to say there? Well, that's that's how we normally do it. We've we have we have been conditioned in a way to give everything its particular meaning, right? That meaning will keep a desire suppressed, right? so that the safety side will have uh, predominance over. Now, of course, it's regarded as unsafe based on the rules of the tribe that were imposed on you. It may not, in fact, be at all unsafe at, in the slightest. It may be actually wonderful and beautiful, but, the, but you've been trained to give it the meaning that it is unsafe should it appear. Therefore, the safety has, has precedent over it. So the, 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 the process is to take a step back. Um, and the, you know, the, the, the job of the ego, which is the third chakra, the storyteller, is to install those rules and maintain them as a sense of identity. Because there's nothing stronger, there's nothing that has more force in the system than I am this or I am not that. Because when I am it, that is the ultimate enforcer. I won't, we're not like that. I'm never going to do that. That's not who I am. It just enforces this relationship, which keeps it in balance, which is why the ego is so, is, is so um, tenacious. So we have to take a step out of all of that. The lower three chakras represent the unconscious. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no consciousness there. There's no, case for, there's no possibility of self uh, examination or contemplation it is purely mechanistic purely mechanistic and and so we have to a certain amount of awakening has to take place where we step out into the fourth chakra which is the heart where we can now from another place look at this whole thing going on going oh i see what's happening 
And from here, we recognize that none of these in and of themselves are a problem. And none of these are you going to get rid of. You're not going to be able to get rid of the safety mechanism. You're not going to get rid of desire. And you're not going to get rid of a sense of self. You, you can't do it. Right? But from here, I can begin to make adjustments to them. I can see that, no, this isn't dangerous safety. It's okay. And you go, yeah, it is. <laughs> and that's when you very gently and very compassionately by not taking sides and honoring all of the positions, you could say, let's take a look. You're doing a great job. I know you continue to keep us safe. Let's see if it's still dangerous. It was once for sure. Your parents made it really dangerous. But now that they're not in the picture anymore, it's just us. Let's check it out. Maybe it's not dangerous. And there, now there's this inter-dialogue that takes place. This is the self-inquiry. This is how inner reconciliation does self-inquiry in, in a therapeutic way. Um, because from this position of not taking sides, you've all, you have already stepped out of the conflict. Mm -hmm. The moment you take a side, you make the conflict. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I love that. I, and I was just thinking about, yeah. yes. So first of all, I want to recap that because that was nice. Um, let's first of all, figure out what are the, what were the rules of the tribe? We based all of this on the rules of our tribe that said, this is safe. This is not very important. I love that part. And do they still have that rule? Is, are they necessary to keep in place? The You know, maybe you're on a different tribe, maybe, you know, all those things. So I like that. Um, I, I love, we talk, well, GPU, the word loving, the term loving awareness is so, it comes out of your mouth so often and it's just beautiful and I love that. And here's another, a layman's term of loving awareness is let's take a look from the heart. Let's take a look from the heart's position and not take a side. And I think that was so valuable because when we, when we don't take a sides, we can no, we're no longer supporting a conflict. So when- There is we, no conflict. There's just none. There is none. It takes two. <laughs> you know what? If somebody drops out. It's like the yeah. sound of one hand clapping. What's the sound <laughs> of one army fighting? Right. Yes. So when we title this, you know, how 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 is inner conflict holding you back? Well, if there's no conflict, guess what? You're not held back. So then we come to inner reconciliation. And this requires us to take a look, which brings me to an invitation for you guys that we actually have a, cl a class called the looking class <laughs> so where we look <laughs> safely and lovingly at conflicts that arise and desire, sorry, desires that arise and conflicts that might be there that you might not otherwise see or understand or know what to do with. So first of all, number one invitation, perfect time here, great timing. Um, and I, I must say that, so this is called a looking class. We meet every Wednesday. We're about an hour. Sometimes we'll go to two hours, but we'll see, you know, who shows up and what happens and how the inquiry is going, how the looking is going. Um, this is only $97 a month. So 97 for the whole month, you can come every Wednesday, you get the replays. We would love to have you there. This is an opportunity to find out if you're thinking, you know what? Yeah, I want to explore this conflict, how it's holding me back. I'm feeling it and I'm in resistance <laughs> and I want to stop. <laughs> so come on over to there. And then one more really fun announcement and invitation because everybody, I know you guys love GP's voice. And so we've been, we've been requesting and asking, like, we need to hear more of your voice, GP. And so he has recorded <laughs> the newest version, the revised version of Angels in the Basement. And you guys, this is an incredible, not only book we're talking about. So angels may be representing your desires, who you are, who you truly are being suppressed and sent down to that basement. And so we want to help you be able to open that door and let those angels out. And so not only did he record the audio version of it, but you get the revised book, the, the PDF version of it, the audio, as well as the exercise, the from, oh gosh, you're gonna have to remind me here, the art of allowing. From just allow. Just allow, gosh, yeah. so close. The body awareness, <laughs> the body awareness exercise. Yes, a body awareness exercise. So you get an exercise, 
a book to read and an audio to listen to GP's voice from the angels in the basement. <laughs> so, and you know what, it's all, it's 1997. So 20 bucks, you're in, you're getting this amazing book. And then if you're like, wow, I need to work through this, then come on over to the looking class every Wednesday and work through that. So why wouldn't you do this? <laughs> this is, this is always fun to make these offers and invitation. It's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> I get so much out of these these classes at Homeschool Live, and I'm so happy you guys are here. I can see some questions coming through. I'm going to go over and read through them, but I do want to make sure we talked about safety and expression, fulfillment, habits, commitment, success, um, perfectionism. You know what? I'm going to see what comments come up, and if that is not here, that's just around failure. We're, we're in conflict, like, oh, I'm not safe if I fail, if I'm not perfect. So um, that can really hold us back. Oh, and it's, so a perfect, it's a perfect way to, to suppress desire. Mm, yeah perfect it holds yeah. you back you like hit that 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 glass ceiling that brick wall i'm just no I'm not good enough yet oh always yet yeah it's yet it's always yet right yet still not good enough yet <laughs> not quite almost almost but not quite that's funny. We need a t-shirt. Oh, back to the t-shirts. We need a t-shirt that says, <laughs> yeah, just not yet. <laughs> and then, well, not, yeah. I, I don't want to promote not yet. Perfect. But I, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> Almost. Oh. So everybody, hello, hello. We've got Ralph up and saying hello. We've got Andy saying hello. And Andy saying hello to Ralph, which is lovely. Fernando, that's a lovely thing. Thank you, Fernando. We're so happy to be here with you guys. You know, the homeschool live is so happy about that. Ava, hello. And homeschool is the best school in the world. Oh, well, we, we get an award here. I love it. We get the thumbs up on that one. <laughs> and life-changing. It is life-changing. You get to see your life, your life differently, you know, different and from, from love. Um, Playing, hello. Crispin. Oh, Crispin's here. We haven't seen Crispin for a little while. Um, thanks for the recommendation, Ava. Okay. on Oh, level three. Yes. Inner Reconciliation actually is a giant program, a very in-depth, beautiful program class course that GP has put out for how long now? How long has Inner Reconciliation been out? Um, I, I started to record the level one in the summer of 2016. 2016. Yeah. So we've seven years. We're into that one. So it's it's been helping literally hundreds of people. So thank you. And if you guys like to check that out, if there's any questions at all and, and I'm speaking too quickly or unclear, just put a comment in. We'll, we'll set you straight. We'll put you on the right path. <laughs> so, so Rose, okay, so level three. So Rose for you, hello, how are you? I've been asking myself why I don't allow myself to be body awareness. Happy and I finally noticed it because I don't like what I'm experiencing or where I am in life. Is that inner conflict as well? Well, yes, the essence of it, isn't it? Sonia. That's Sonia. Oh, hi, Sonia. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, when the, okay, first thing is a little bit of uh, celebration. You noticed it. My God, I don't give myself permission to be happy. Happiness comes up, and immediately there's resistance to it. Well, now, where, why is that? Well, because as a child, when you began to exude your happiness, when we're happy, what happens? We, we are just ourselves, right? There's very little in the way of inhibitions, right? We're just being ourselves, you know, and criticism doesn't touch us. I mean, it's just like, so there's happiness. Happiness... Remember, happiness is the freedom to be yourself. Without the freedom to be yourself, you can't be happy. And so when you're happy, out you come, right? And of course, when out, when you come, out you come, the, the tribe goes, oh, no, no, no. Back in there you go. And so the nervous system associates happiness with the eventual pain that it's going to cause. And so when happiness comes up, Immediately, the alerts go off. Whoop, danger. Whoop, whoop, danger, Will Robinson. Whoop, whoop. And, and it, it pushes it back down again. So there's this uncomfortable feeling. To this day, it happens to me. I'll find myself being happy and something go, you better watch out. <laughs> what? Where are you coming from? Right? Who's, 
<laughs> right? So it's that you noticed it. Now, now we inquire more deeply into it. You go, okay, so the resistance to happiness is part of the protective mechanism. It thinks that if I get happy, I am going to be, I am going to emerge and I'm going to get in and I'm going to get in trouble. And so I'm not even allowed to say, this is going to, the mind gets, can twist this stuff so much, right? We say, you know, to just allow it to be, to allow things to be they, the way they are, which means that when I have the feeling that I'm not where I want to be in my life, oh, I shouldn't feel that. Then that gets suppressed. So here's what you do. You go, all right, I'm not really happy with where I am in, in my life. And just say it, right? Because obviously you're not. <laughs> it's a truth, right? So, you know, this whole process isn't to make you happy with circumstances that are unhappy. It's to see things as they are. To find a contentment that isn't influenced by external conditions doesn't mean you suppress every desire you have for better conditions, it is not a resignation to life being, being sucky. <laughs> it's, it's a mechanism by which we begin to see clearly why it sucks. And the more that that's going on inside, the more the circumstances begin to conform to it because there's less and less resistance. So you admit, you know, I don't really like the way this is. Right? And I noticed that I'm this this desire this fear that somehow I'm going to get hurt when I if I get happy. Kind of puts weight behind this idea that I I should just be happy with what I've got. <laughs> but I'm not okay. So there's the truth. I'm I'm not, and I'm not feeling happy. All right. So why don't we just be with both of those, and not put any kind of judgment on either just a really honest place right here, right in the middle. And you know what? I don't know what to do about it. Do I go more inward? Do I take some steps outward? Or maybe all of the above. So this is the reconciliation, right? It's never a denial of what you're feeling. It's never a criticism of what's being felt. It's a, just a raw, sober acknowledgement of, of what you're feeling which then allows you to start probing it to its source. Well, what is it about this that I'm not happy with? If I take off the idea that somehow I'm supposed to be happy with this, what is missing? And you notice that it's a beautiful question. Suddenly it's like you get to know yourself better. Well, what is it in you that's not satisfied here? What needs something? What needs acknowledgement? What needs greater, a greater field of expression? And these are the kind of things, these are questions you really keep taking into your heart, which is what, why this is a lifetime practice and not just a, and not just a one, it's not just a vaccine, right? It's a, it's, it's a lifetime practice of constantly going deeper and deeper and deeper, recognizing that, yes, there is a state of being that is so content that it, the circumstances do not change it. And simultaneously, there's the interaction with human life in which we are constantly choosing the better path for ourselves. They're not in conflict with, with each other. This is the true meaning of non-duality. There is no conflict between the absolute truth of your pure, perfect, Buddhahood-like nature right now and all the ups and downs and conflicts and stuff of human life. There is no conflict between, between the two. In fact, they're one. Does that help, Sonia? I hope so, Sonia. I felt like it. <laughs> it was, I I love the freedom there that's felt when it's it's not about being happy with the circumstances. It's it's I don't want to say in spite of, but it, it's as well as <laughs> as well a, as as well yeah, as as well as well as yeah yeah. Now to get a little closer to read this. Hold on here. Um, ba, ba, ba. Wait, I moved. Where did I move? There we go. Okay, Jacqueline is is a hello, Jacqueline. 
He's shining. GP is feeling wonderful today. <laughs> oh, goodness. We have love from Facebook user. Usually when I have a desire, I do as GP says. I scratch my nose. Yes, when my butt is. <laughs> oh, that's, I love that one. <laughs> like, oh, my, my butt's itchy, but I'm, I'm scratching, scratching. So you're never going to. Uh, it's because, and when we're doing that, it means that we have become alienated from the actual desire. We're not able to admit to ourselves what the real desire is. So what I recommend is don't at, don't scratch the nose. And don't <laughs> scratch the butt either. Just sit with the itch. Sit with it, the itch. Oh, gosh. This is like a horrible commercial. The sit with the itch workshop. Yeah, that, that, that'll attract a huge crowd. <laughs> you see what I'm dealing with? Right? All right. So, you have to understand that, that the discomfort is the voice of the truth inside of you trying to get out. So if you're with willing to be with it for a while, it will reveal itself. Okay, what do you have to say? Keep going back to it. What do you have to say? What are you trying to tell me? You know, spirituality isn't about suppressing these feelings. It's about going deeply into them till we find their source. I have to highlight that not suppressing them, but rather going deeper with them. And that is what angels in the basement book really helps you do. So just <laughs> I like that. Again. Well, that it, it's the, it opens that door to make you make it realize that, that the, 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 the struggle, the feelings, the annoying voice, the negative emotions are not negative. That's that judgment, that ego that stepped in there. Yes. Fernando sharing with us, learning to be with our desires and happiness is just as important as being with our pain. Oh, there we go. Yes. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. Something I've always struggled with, which has made me feel very strange about myself. And that's a conflict. Feeling strange about ourselves is alienate, alienating as yes. well. Yeah, yeah. We get kind of lopsided, right? You know, back in the in the 80s and 90s when the new age thing was really exploding in self-help and that's when the whole uh, you know law of attraction began to emerge in, in in the 90s and that sort of thing it all became about suppressing and having nothing but happy feelings and then a switch took place and everybody's doing inner work now and everybody's not no i can't no i've got to work with this there's a problem here somewhere and we keep you know dredging up all this stuff and of course the mind is having a field day right Suppress it, dredge it up. I don't care. I'm, 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 I'm still fully yeah. employed. Right? <laughs> be with what's there. If happiness comes up, let it be there. Oh my God, I feel really good today. Why? I have no idea. Right? Or the happiness comes up, and then there's resistance. You go, hmm, what's that all about? You become really curious. What, but, but there's nothing blocking anything. I mean, really, if you want to experience the bliss of life, you're going to have to let yourself feel bliss. Well said. I like that but one. <laughs> if we're pushing it down, it's because it's, it was dangerous in the past. That's all. Yeah. Happiness gives you the permission to be yourself. And that is the one thing you didn't have as a kid. Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> now, I think we're going to be able to help someone out here because Andy's in suspense. He wants to know which job your friend took. <laughs> we kind of left that as a cliffhanger, didn't we? <laughs> I, guess, I guess we did. Stay tuned for the next episode. No, he no, he was so tired. He's He's been a lawyer since his 20s. He's, in his, he's just about um, uh, 50, about 57 now. Yeah. He says, I'm done lawyering. I don't want a lawyer. He's really smart, really creative, really everything. So he says, screw it, I'm not, I don't want to do that, right? But then he gets this high-paying job in a political office working for, working for the governor of a state in charge of an entire department. He, he went to Ireland to, to, to work in a restaurant in a castle and live a little, yeah, of course. Of course he did, because that's what he really wanted to do. You know, Jack Canfield... Um, very early on in his career, he'd finally made it to the point where he was making $400,000 a year. And he had this opportunity that came up. And the opportunity would mean he would be making $40,000 a year. And he took it. Because it was just so in alignment with where he wanted to go. 
course, now he's a multi-multi-millionaire, right? Uh, you know, so you always think of a happy ending like that. But it was a tough choice to 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 do that, right? It's not like he had had you know. I mean, he had worked really hard to get his business and his life up to that point. So when it was like a big step back like that, it was it was not an easy choice for him to make. And I like to highlight and just bring this part of the conversation, GP, is that it's not always that you're following your dreams means that you'll be, you know, poor and work in a pub. You know, it's not like that. It's sometimes that choice is to go from only making 20000 a year to maybe your dream job is the million dollars a year. And I did extremes there. But it, it doesn't always mean like just to follow your dreams and live your passion that you have to go downslide on a financial. It could, it no. It, yeah. And that's always one of the things that's talked about it, you know, because that's the fear of it. It's like it has nothing to do with where you end up in the circumstances financially or physically or, or any of that. It has to do about following your bliss, as Joseph Campbell put it, because you cannot be happy if you're in a life that doesn't is not fit does not fit you you can't do it you're the whale in the swimming pool it's a metaphor i use throughout angels in the basement you cannot be happy in that kind of a confinement you just can't yeah exactly now jay is asking hi g lisa and everyone it's really uncomfortable to be with not knowing about something and being exposed to others about it knowing that there will be some very harsh criticism. Hold on, I've got to read that again. <laughs> it's really comfortable to be with not knowing about something and being exposed to others about it. Knowing yeah, having to talk to others about it and um, know that there'll be some harsh criticism because you, you don't know anything about it. And he says, he says further on, you have to put this oh. act up like you know everything. Said, no, you don't. Just be ignorant and, and endure and endure the criticism. It's the criticism you're afraid of, not the not knowing. All right. So, so probe into the fact. Why am I afraid of their criticism? Why is their approval so important to me? And you know, how how doubt how deep in the rabbit hole does this go? So now I'm projecting my parents on my coworkers, thinking that their disapproval is going to have the same impact as disapproval of my parents. That's probably where it comes from. But don't take my word for it. Probe into it. Why does it matter what somebody else says? Why is there a fear of what they say? I mean, if there's a right balance inside, there's no, if somebody criticizes you, go, oh, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. Was, that was not the right. There'd be, no, there'd be no recrimination associated with it. It would be a welcome correction. Right? But if there's a fear there, I don't want to look bad. Well, why not? If you are, you know, look, if I don't know something, I'm really ignorant of something. doesn't do any good to hide it. I'm ignorant. <laughs> Hello. I'm ignorant. I have no idea. Just, just, just get me in a conversation with Lisa about cooking. <laughs> I get all these things. Oh, look what I'm having for breakfast today. And, and you know, and I'm looking at my oatmeal. <laughs> and I'm and I'm proud that I could throw some raisins and and nuts in it, right? It's like look what I did, right? I'm I'm like a five year old compared to this. <laughs> We're gonna upgrade upgrade you to black currants after this, but other than raisins. <laughs> look, look at this. Yeah. Interesting point. This is what I have to put up with every single day. <laughs> Interesting situation, Jay. I want to share with you. I I was I'm learning a new skill, and um, you know, and I like being pretty pretty awesome at what I do, and it's new. I have never done this skill before. And the word that came up yesterday while I was training was clumsy. Like I was clumsy at this, and I haven't been clumsy at anything for a long time, and it was really uncomfortable. But it's new. It's I was clumsy, and then my my another lady that was training with me, she was you know helping me, telling me, and I was so appreciative of her telling me. But you know what happened was she actually after class she apologized to me. She came to me. I hope you didn't think I was being bossy or correct correcting you too much. And I was like, I welcomed it. Are you kidding me? I was so appreciative. And it see how that was viewed so differently. The exact same situation of where we were coming from. She didn't want to be bossy. I didn't want to be clumsy, but I clearly was. <laughs> and it was, it was okay. And it really was, you know, like what you're saying, GP is just, I don't know this. And it's more the, how I will look um, approval, love, acceptance. Where am I safe? I felt safe to be clumsy. I didn't like it, but it was still safe for me to be told what to do because I was in training and I was prepared to be in training. So that was, that's yeah. helpful for you to bring that up. 
yeah, it's the way it's the way it is. Now, in in his environment, you know, you're, you're expected to know stuff. That's yeah. that's a guy. That's a guy thing. <laughs> I mean, it, what do you mean you don't know that? Yeah. <laughs> you're not cool. <laughs> just another opportunity to pound our chests, right? Oh, that's a great image for doing a man's workshop. We'll do the the chest pound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, David and Elaine. Yes, hello. We're glad you guys are here. We are, yes, we get the looking class would be fun. There's a free week trial for the looking class too, by the way. The first the first seven days is always complimentary to anybody who would like to just give it a try if you're a little shy or not sure, but um, that's always an option. And Fernando, let's see, I keep hearing about the coherence process Ooh, in these um, streams. Could you go a little bit into it? How do it's inner reconciliation and what the difference is from here to the latter? Okay. Do you want to grab that in a in a sentence or two, GP? And I'll climb sure. through yeah. the, the coherence climb. process is inner reconciliation applied to personal goals. One, one, one sentence. sentence. <laughs> applied to personal goals, yeah. wishes, your dreams. You know. Yeah, to uh, the, the stuff you want to accomplish in your life. How does inner reconciliation work with that? And um, that's what the coherence process is. I could have called it. I could have called it the, the reconciling process, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I could have called it a lot of a lot of different things, the uh, ending conflict process. But you know, coherence. That's why we re we actually renamed it from wishing it to living it, so it has a little bit more of the the, the character of what it's about. Um, and it's all about using inner reconciliation to resolve the conflicts we have about attaining our own ideal lives. That's why I had to do this show today. <laughs> I was like, it's about conflict. <laughs> <laughs> and applying had a conflict today when when I bought something expensive that I really don't need. Well, is that a conflict that we need it or don't need it? But I guess that's also a bit common sense. I don't like the guilt uh, that, I, that I felt through, though, mm, the guilt part that he felt. He, so, he, there's a second part to it. Oh, yeah, here we go. I mean, it was... It was my money. I, I got from honest work. I didn't steal them. Oh, I guess I did the the materialistic and me showed up and I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. And yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Right. I, I bought something because I wanted it. Oh my God. The sin of thin, sins, which means I. So somebody else would say, well, that's just so impulsive. You don't need that. Well, who's saying you don't need it? Where are you drawing the line there? Why is it that you have to justify what you want based on what you need? That is a clear conflict between our, our wants and our needs. And it's not that everything we want we should just have, right? This, this isn't you can have it all kind of speak, right? It, it means that our criteria for making those decisions um, is in conflict. And when it is, we tend to gravitate towards, to contract and gravitate just towards what we need because we're, we're, we're not going to get any pushback on that internally. Right? But when I start reaching for things that I want, that's when we hit all the pushback and that's when we run into the fact that our own sense of self has been, has been um, uh, diminished enough that we cannot honor our own wants and therefore decide whether or not I can reasonably do it without creating more harm for myself. That's one thing I get this wonderful thing, but I go into huge debt over it. That, that's, that's an impulse to try to, to, try to overcome the, the part that says you can't have it <laughs> um, in, instead of reconciling between the, between the two. So it is, how do, I, how do I reconcile all of this to come to the place where I can confidently buy something for myself that I don't really need because I just simply want it. It's going to bring something into my life. There's something about it that, that matters to me. And I don't need anybody outside to validate whether or not it's okay for me to do that or not. And if you can get to that point, the thing becomes insignificant because you have now the greatest, one of the greatest gifts of all, which is self-validation. Hmm. Self-confidence, self, self, a sense of self-esteem. 
which unfortunately in spiritual circles gets kind of diminished because that's all ego. And no, not at all. Our, we need self-esteem. We need confidence. We need courage. We need to be able to take on authority. Imagine if all the good people in the world took on the authority that the bad people do. Our world would be completely different. <laughs> that question is going to be posted in the group, by the way. I'd love to hear that. That is so, that is so, such a thing to think about. It's all if quote unquote, good people, bad people. If, if we just had those, if we had that self, I, I remember very different situations in my life where I, I wasn't, I didn't have self, self validation and it was a prison. But as soon as I, I, I found, and I, yeah, found, cause it's there self validation, the prison disappeared. It, it true. It was just gone. And I, and there was nothing different that changed in, in uh, conditions or whatever. It was literally my, my love for myself and that dissolving of, yes of the, the conflict, the, the push, there was no pushback. It was like, this is it. This is there, what I want. There is no pushback because the, I'm, you know, I create the pushback. I create the prison. I create the whole thing. None of it actually exists. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've had so it many literally does not exist. It is an image in your mind projected on the world. You think you're in a prison and you're not. Yeah. We have a show on that. Actually. I remember the image with the bird in a cage flying out. Yeah. <laughs> but are we Somewhere. yes i can't believe it's there after okay so we're, we're running a little bit over but that's okay let's just i want to make sure that we um the thank yous for everything but i know that faith faith here she just has one question and i feel that we should just um just touch on that one and then we'll wrap up but um oh lost a job jobless in europe and i really want to feel safe that's a that's a that's a conflict and that's you would think okay well this is a this isn't an inner conflict this is a conditional thing this is real so now we have a conflict about our conflict so could we just touch yeah. on that yeah sure um we're we're always going to be experiencing these things coming up in our lives the number one thing for you is to not blame yourself to not feel guilty about it to not say what am i doing wrong Withdraw from all of that and just be totally present. Now, it's natural for us to feel uh, unsafe, to feel a sense of fear when things like that happen, when our livelihood is threatened, right? Now, there's just the natural fear that's going to be in the nervous system, which in fact, rightly channeled, becomes all sorts of energy going towards, creatively going towards, towards correcting the circumstance. Perfectly natural. Now, if you just take it as that, with nothing extra added on it, you'll feel yourself empowered to act. But what gets laid on top of it is, oh, you made a mistake. It was your fault. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have that. Why are you even here? You should go back to your country, right? All of the stuff that can add on top of it, right, which, which, makes a, which takes the fear away from its natural setting and puts it into this other place. And in this other place, as such, it's impossible to resolve. So you step out of it completely. Ah, this is it. This is what I'm feeling. And it's perfectly natural to feel that way. I don't know what's coming next. I don't know what I'm going to do. So what are the steps I know to take? And that you take them. And you devote yourself to them. Right? One, of the, one of the good things about fear is it's a real mind focuser. It, it really strips away all of the all of the bullshit priorities right? it comes this is the most important thing right now and so in that you can actually learn how to do that without fear to set those kind of priorities for yourself when you don't need the circumstances any longer to force them on you but when they do you take them as as, as a gift and and everybody remember Every event that ha comes into your life is an opportunity to fully awaken. Wow. Every single one is an invitation to fully awaken. There is nothing stopping our spiritual inquiry in anything we do, no matter what's going on in our lives and what we have to do, that, that inquiry can continue to go on. Does that comfort you at all, my dear? 
beautiful to hear. It's very encouraging as well, and inspiring, and uh, calming. I, that's I felt a sense of calm come over. So I hope that that at least got through. But, um, we I will we will wrap up. We'll say goodbye. Um, but I do hope that all of this has been helpful. I know it has. I'm not even to say I hope. Um, what I do hope is that we'll either hear from you, a comment, a thumbs up, a share, if, if you think somebody would find value in this. We hope that you are subscribed to the channel as well, the YouTube channel, or just in our Facebook group. Um, but more than anything, come to the class, come to the looking class and check it out. Have a closer, deeper look. Um, and if you are a home studier, then you always have this beautiful opportunity to not only read Angels in the Basement, but hear GP's voice as he does the audio and do the exercises, the body awareness from just allow it. Got it. <laughs> there we go. And thanks. I will listen to it and let it sink in. Beautiful. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll see you next Tuesday on another episode of Ohm School Live. And thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you so much, GP. Thank you, Lisa. Bye, everyone. Brink says bye to you. <laughs>